the burning question of the day. Why do people hate on certain characters, specifically Superman and Iron Man? Yes, I know we have movies, comics whatsoever, but people by and large love to hate on characters. I'm joined today by Omni76 and we're discussing this topic. In June 1938, Action Comics number one, which featured the first appearance of Superman or Kal-El from Krypton, was introduced into the world. Superman was created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Shuster. But little did we know, or little did I know, or a few of us know, that the incarnation of that version of Superman that we all have come to know and love was not the first version of Superman. Yes, actually, yes. When the idea of Superman was first created, Superman actually was created to be a villain. But the creators later went and changed his origin and made him a hero. Wow. Huh. Um, backstory of why the change. So I'm going to read this little excerpt here from the DC fandom wiki, actually. Reading this verbatim. The first Superman character created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster was not a hero, but a villain. Their short story, The Reign of the Superman, concerned a bald-headed villain bent on dominating the world. The story did not sell, forcing the two to reposition on the right side of the law. In 1935, their Superman story was again rejected by newspaper syndicates, warning to avoid lawsuits who recognized the character as being similar to a the character from Philip Wiley's 1930 novel. And then they said they decided to take a, within DC Comics, decided to take a chance with Superman and this all, the wiki also says, figuring that any lawsuits were filled, were filled, they would just drop the feature. So the character was re-envisioned to the one that we know today, knowing that he was an alien, and he came to Earth, and the rest is history. Huh. That's interesting because it's funny. They still utilize the structure of the, the origin but we know him better as Lex Luthor. And, the, and yeah. to another point, it said that a lot of Superman's characters, whether they are villains or romantic interest in his life, people have always had the initials of LL. Lana Lang, sorry, Lana Lang, Lois Lane, Lex Luthor, and so many others. You know what? All this time, huh? Wow, wait a minute. It's not until someone tells you that the light bulb goes off. Wow. So I wonder if our fave LL Cool J has some kind of DC connection. <laughs> you know what? Okay, I'm going to spitball this one here. LL Cool J. The last son of Krypton was sent to Earth 
and he decides to go into the entertainment industry. And he takes on different roles as a singer by day, crime fighter by night. There you go. <laughs> okay. Hey, we didn't didn't he survive Deep Lucy? See, don't don't go there. Lord jeez. Okay, if you're gonna say that, he also survived Kumo D coming after his bond, but you know, we don't want to start no hip hop wars in our fandom. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I just I just I, had to I, the fact that he was the first black person to survive in a horror movie. Just had to acknowledge that. Was he? I thought the black guy from North North Carolina who sadly played in Juana Man, but he had the Jerry Curl in the Night of the Living Dead, but it was the mall version. So what what movie was that? Was that Day of the Living Dead? But do you know the movie I'm talking about? I like I know exactly what you're talking about, but the name is escaping me right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought he survived, but I guess not. Mm. Dang, brothers dropped. Brothers drop. <laughs> so I do want to share a few more of the names. It was for in regards to Superman. Lana Lang, his high school sweetheart from Smallville, Kansas. Lori Lamaris, a mermaid he dates while attending Metropolis University. And- Hold up. Are you trying to tell me he had a <laughs> allegedly uh Aquaman fetish? I mean, there is Mira and there's other women Atlanteans. <laughs> okay, keep going. And then we have Lila Leoro, L Y L A L E R R O L. So Lila Leoro, an actress from Krypton who he who meets him when he travels back in time before Krypton's destruction. And of course, we know his supporting characters such as. Lucy Lane, which is Lois Lane's sister. Mm-hmm. We have Linda Lee, which is Supergirl's identity in the comics. Hmm. So, LLs. Wow. Only in fandom and stalkers, but that's neither here nor there. True, neither here nor there. But now, on the other side of the spectrum, we have the Iron Man, the Armored Avenger. Mm-hmm. But little did we know, or I'm pretty sure some people knew because people know, before Tony Stark, there was another Iron Man. Wait a minute. Seriously? Wait a minute. Hold up. Oh, no, no, because I'm thinking about the origin and I feel like I've heard this before, but go ahead. So when Marvel was known as Atlas Comics at the time, there was a short story produced, starred an Iron Man who had who was very different than the Avengers Iron Man. Because Iron Man, which is Tony Stark, first debuted debuted in Tales of Suspense number thirty nine in nineteen sixty three. He was co created by Stan Lee, Larry Lieber. Don Heck and Jack Kirby. 
I mean, of course, we know Tony Stark is a founding member of the Avengers and, and all that. We, we know this. We, we have the MCU and other things. But before him, we actually had, in 1957, in Uncanny Tales number 52 from Atlas Comics, when Stan Lee was the editor-in-chief, this actually was penciled by Pete Morosi, M-O-R-I-S-I. My apologies if I mispronounced his last name. The short story was called Inside the Iron Man, which takes place in the future night of 1984, where, and this is a reading from an article I'm reading, is the West is the middle of a war. A brilliant inventor named Howard Harris proposes sending his robot as a spy, and it can send transmissions from the East back to the West. It was a short story. Wow. I got a fun fact for you, or as they said, fun fact. Did you know that Iron Man is based off of Howard Hewitt? Did I know that? I hope that's Howard Hewitt. Or am I thinking of 1980s Shalimar singer Howard Hewitt? But let me look it up. Dear Google. Let's ask Jeeves, too. Let me just throw that one. Yeah. <laughs> of course, they're going to bring up Hugh Hefner. Now, that is a billboard, what is it, billionaire playboy, but not that one. Howard Hughes. Is it Howard Hughes? Let's see. Yup. Howard Hughes. Howard Hughes. Not, <laughs> not Shalimar. <laughs> well, for y'all old school lovers, you know what I'm talking about. But go ahead. Oh, oh please continue. Go ahead. No, 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 no. But um, actually, when you look at a picture of Howard Hughes, you actually can see in the early um, depictions of um, Tony Stark, the similarity of face, you know, definitely kind of has the cocky, I have more money than you and women look, but yeah, that's a fun fact. I was like, mm, I can see that. Now, how they changed him over time to make him reflect another cocky playboy, you know, love him dearly, um, talking about um, Robert Downey Jr., it's just amazing how, how they started and then how it's going. So even when you think of the infamous... Um, Oh, goodness. My mind is going blank. But even when you think of, um, I have to say, Mother Friggin' Samuel L. Jackson. Um, shoot. Nick Fury. Thank you. So definitely added that. So even when thinking about Nick Fury, Nick Fury. <laughs> I don't think in the beginning those creators would ever dream of a day of seeing a chocolate ball headed man being Nick Fury, but it's perfect. Now it's absolutely perfect. It makes sense. So, and we can talk about the origin of how Nick Fury came to be in another episode, but it's interesting to know our beloved characters, who they were actually based on. There's a lot of stories in fandom. You're like, wait a minute, that person is 
the inspiration for who? Okay. Mm-hmm. That's true because as they say, life imitates art and art imitates life. Yep. Because I do know in, in another story, jumping back to Superman for a moment, that I, wa- I watched a uh, documentary this is, might have been during the first DC fandom in uh, 2020. And uh, the story was about the creation of Superman that cannot remember which of the two creators but it was the fact that one of them their father father's store actually was robbed and they wanted to create a character that would stand up for the little person huh okay that's dope and that's why you have the impenetrable skin of superman that you know fashioned in a speeding bullet you know things bounce off of him and things so they wanted to have the character represent, forgive the pun, it's not intended, but represent a shield. Okay. Like Captain America's shield, but represent a shield. And that's that led to the creation of Superman. Hmm. Well, it, it's one of many factors. But it's, it's just interesting how the parts of life that make the characters who they are and how over time, even since their inception and in a lot of cases, most of the creators have passed on their work is still being reimagined and developed or redeveloped over time. Wow. But this leads me to a point of our conversation today. Mm Mm-hmm. The fact that I'll say before and during this renaissance, it's not new anymore, this renaissance of pop culture. Before, pop culture was this thing that people made fun of and looking at comic books and science fiction shows, anime, things that were very niche cultures, they were made fun of. And people did not like the ideals that some of these characters represented, even though they were created for people of a time and they continue to represent people over time. But as people evolve and naturally show, people tend to go away from the ones that were represented or made to represent them. And then they start to have this sense of I don't like what this character represents. It's not for me, but I'm going to go represent this other person that's a little more my style. And there's nothing wrong with that. Let me say this first. There's nothing wrong with that. But the point I'm getting to is the hate that goes into characters. And before anybody jumps down my throat, not saying people hate him, but it's always the conversation of, I can't stand Superman, or we can't stand this person. I mean, before the MCU, people really weren't paying much attention to Iron Man, but then as soon as Iron Man 1 comes out, oh my god. Your thoughts? Look, for me, I'll just reimagine everything that you said, and I'm going to be slightly a drama queen, but anytime those type of conversations come up, 
you know, I just really can't stand. I'm like, why? Why? Like, really, why do you hate such and such and such? Because usually their their answers or their responses are nothing about um a nothing but refurbish group think. It's not, you know, I personally feel about this person and da 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 da. It's usually somebody that they heard or of course infamous YouTube or you know see something on a blog. Sometimes it's just where in someone's thought pattern of why they hate a particular fandom person. I'm just like, wow, that is so like many other people. But, um, you know, when it comes to certain characters, I guess some people just really just pure hate about a character where I asked them, I was like, think of this in the bigger context, like break it down. Is it a particular, like, was there something that they did that triggered for you? Dot, 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 dot. Instead of, I just hated his costume or she looks better as da, 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 da. I'm like, wow. Hmm. Fandom can be superficial. And it also goes to the, no- the notion of the gatekeepers of the, well, well, you know, that version from that particular year was a better version than this version. You know, someone wants to sound like that. I'm not saying y'all, but you get my point. Yeah, gatekeepers, they're, they're you know what, sometimes I just want to like either hug them or give them a laxative because they are full of crap. Mm-hmm. And what we're doing today is acknowledging those people or taking a look and putting them under a microscope, a microscope rather. And that's cool because, I mean, sometimes it is valid. It is definitely valid. Like, I'm such a hardcore in audience. Please don't come after me. I'm just speaking my truth. I love X-Men so hardcore from the comics to, of course, the classic Chef's Kiss animated series. But when it came to the movies, literally, it wasn't until first class that I even thought about watching any of the cinematic universe. Really? Yeah, really. I was that much of a diehard. Yeah. Like, actually, the first class series, if it wasn't for that, I have no knowledge. And fun fact, and I know somebody's going to come for me, but I personally like Dark Phoenix. It was just a season of my life. I could identify a lot with that movie, but that's another episode. Why did everyone hate Dark Phoenix? I'm going to I liked Dark Phoenix. I didn't have a problem with that movie. Yeah, like, of course, it wasn't you know, all the cinematic movies that we love, but there was some emotion with 
that particular film that I was like, uh, somebody is either going to a therapist or they went through and they have came out on the other side and they have developed this particular story that I was like, mm, it's not perfect. But I was like, it's not bad either. And especially the ending action action scene, that train scene, yo. Yes. Dope. Oh, yes. Yes. It it almost reminded me of the train scene in um Spider-Man. It was he's he's trying to stop the train from going off track. Yeah. Because it was a lot of the hero interacting in a non-hero way because he was being superhuman. And I dig that. I dig that a lot. And so I know we're going to get some interesting comments, but I'm just saying this is my truth. So. Can we just say the fact that when when there is a train scene in a superhero movie, it usually is going to be over the top and it always works. Because Spider-Man No Way Home, train scene, Spider-Man Doctor Strange, mm-hmm. Man of Steel, train scene, Smallville, train mm-hmm. across the Superman left and right. Always the train scene. And I love those. That's just, that's just me. Respect to you. Yeah. I have to say something, and I was ignoring it this whole time. The fact that I had to put my voice in the person's voice to saying I hate Superman, I don't hate Superman. That's my favorite superhero. I just have to acknowledge that because that's not me saying. For those that know me, I did not say that. I'm just speaking because of the conversation. True, true. Moving on. But let's start at the notion of cinematic things, where we know that there have been various cinematic versions of these two characters that we're looking at today are mm-hmm. and superman respectively we've had the uh black and white superman show we've had the christopher reeves movies we had the brandon ralph movie the uh Henry cavill movie you have the current show now on cw with um tyler i cannot remember his last name i'm so sorry uh, uh and smallville with tom welling we, we have so many different things. And Iron Man, respectively, both of them, we've had animated, different animated shows and things across the board. So can you share with me, like, your first foray into, like, these and, like, in terms of, like, watching it from a, a, a pop culture perspective of things? Probably my first experience. Oh, gosh, you know. Please don't go there, people. My first experience with Superman was of course, super friends, um, the stoic and, you know, slightly a more muscle bound Dudley dude, white, if you remember the cartoon series, but that was like my first introduction to Superman. I was too young to fully remember watching all of the Superman first film, but, um, I think it was seven or eight and, you know, the invention of VHS or beta for some people, um, watching that at daycare. And 
it was the the score for me that was like really really dope and i just remember seeing him running and then it's like he pulls his shirt shirt apart and you can see the symbol and i was like wow for a visual person like myself i was like oh that's kind of dope um as far as that being such a bright spot for me um it wasn't until smallville that i had my attention filled again of superman because i know there's gonna be shots fired after the first original superman i was not here for everything else that whole series of superman movies not my cup of tea but smallville from like it was people in quote unquote high school i was in high school the drama the you know the interpersonal relationships that clark is trying to build while he's still trying to figure it out um like yeah i really love that show and if you play the first few seconds of that theme song yes i will belt that loudly yes um, that song is dope yeah, that song but actually and i know this is gonna hurt your heart um man is still and everything didn't grab my attention it wasn't until the very polarizing Batman versus Superman <laughs> that I once again had my attention filled with Superman. So I am a pop culture fanatic and literally that's how I connect with Superman when he hit the highs of pop culture in the first movie the awesome tv show and then that little sad martha moment of a movie so yeah what about you i feel like when it comes to um, um superman i want to say it it does revolve around the christopher reeve christopher reeves movies and the Superman animated series that came out in the nineties, like like a few years after Batman animated series, like watching that after school, that was like fun for me. And like I did not know much of what was going on. I was paying attention, but you know at that point there were no DVRs. We had like we had the VHS, all, all those things. But watching that show, and then when Smallville came out. Like what you said about Smallville, it it did a lot for for me, and I remember specifically watching the premiere episode. Like ironically, I do remember watching it, and just being like, "Okay, this is fun." Mm -hmm. At that point, I was in middle school, so it's funny because I did not watch it week to week because having in my mind at that point in my life something comes on week to week. I did not really like click until I got older, even though I knew it, but you know, if that makes sense, like it didn't really comprehend. Mm -hmm. But when I, I, when I got into the show and was like really watching it, I was there every week. And then 
when Superman Returns came out with Brandon Routh, I was really ecstatic to watch that movie because it was the first time I got to see Superman on the big screen. Because at that point, when like the Christopher Reeves movies were out, they were all on DVD and everything. You could watch them on TV. But it was that experience of getting to watch my favorite character on the big screen that I was really excited about. So all those things combined, and then the Justice League animated series and all that stuff. And then when we got Man of Steel, I felt like I was the only person in my like friend circle and family of being like, we got to watch this movie. It's really good because I was the person at the end of the movie that started the slow clap and nobody joined in and I felt <laughs> But I'm going on record and saying I did the slow clap and nobody joined in. So failed moment. But it was a good moment for me because th- watching that movie, at least in my eyes, it reminded me of Superman the animated series in, in some spots and also reminded me of Smallville in different ways. And like you mentioned, Batman vs. Superman, Donald Justice movie. Mm-hmm. It felt like a spiritual successor. And I watched the extended you know, three-hour cut of that movie. And I felt like they could have kept all everything in. But I know they had to cut it out. And mm-hmm. then the Justice League movie, the preferred version is the Zack Snyder cut. Mm-hmm. Because it, it felt right. Even though I took the one that we got, I really liked it. But then when I learned, like, oh, they changed it and I saw the uh, better cut, I was very happy with it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but that's how it is for me. And, like, I'm now getting to that point now of I'm going back and collecting comics and especially the older comics and trying to read those because I want to see the evolution of the character and many characters, actually. And you know what? For real's fandom audience that having the memory mixed in with the nostalgia and how it just kind of bubbles up in your spirit, I would have more respect for you in your hate if you went down and explained da-da-da-da-da. And But like I said, a lot of the time, it's group think. Like, I feel... You know, not everybody wants to admit that it was the TV show that did it for you in concerns of certain characters. But it was, and there's nothing wrong with that. Like, seriously, that theme song, it would play on the radio and it would remind me of scenes from this show that just like, yo, this is a cool show. Like, it lasted forever, too. And, you know, dare I say, Smallville was like that super dope fandom soap opera, if you really think about it. It was. Yeah. And so, like, people having issues with Superman, I'm like, where's your heart? This dude has been around forever. And you're trying to tell me there ain't at least three things that, you can say, you know, I hate him, but there are these things that's kind of dope about him. And I did not want to get away without acknowledging this too. You mentioned Super Friends. Yes, Super Friends. It's it's I'm gonna be that person. It was my jam. I like Super mm-hmm. Friends. 
like going back and rewatching it on HBO Max is a blessing because I'm happy to be able to watch it. Even though some people may say it feels old or campy, I like those things. It's yeah. fun. I just had to acknowledge that. But yes, that theme song, I did not care how many times I heard it watching the 10 seasons of Smallville. As soon as you heard it, it was like, yes, this is perfect. And did you watch any of the recent Flash Arrow crossovers? Dude, we don't even want to talk about that. No, I'm not into... Look, respect for WB in expanding these storylines. But for me, I'm an effects girl. If the visuals or the rendering ain't good with that daggone visual effect, I'm not here for it. So sadly, I can't say that I am. Uh, I just asked for one. Hey, I, I had to give you the backstory. Uh, I, I, back. I respect it. And trust me, I, I respect it. There are a lot of people who, who share your sentiments. I will just say just from a person who's been there since the inception of Arrow and all that, mm-hmm. I like the story. But the point I asked about was that in one of the last uh, few crossovers, they had a moment where they went to Smallville and they were going through the uh, uh, parallel Earth, and then the theme song hit. Ha! Really? And I like I lost it. Like, oh my gosh! And it was the same house from Smallville. Oh wow! And uh, it was just fun to to see. Just wanted to just point that out. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. But it 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 does have to boggle my my mind about the the hate that anybody would have for Superman. I'm like, yo, for real, for real, for real. Um, you should at least respect the fact that Christopher Reeves continued to play Superman after. This is just me. The not so stellar Superman 2, Superman 3, and we can, yeah, yeah. Like Christopher Reed, God bless the dead, should always forever have street cred because, like, for real, those other movies, mm -mm, no. (laughs) But I know those are your dear heart movies. Just saying. I know we talked about this a few days ago. Like Superman 2, it's like the one, but I understand where you're coming from. I, I do. Hey, I love Richard Pryor, but I really wish they didn't ask him to be part of it. Okay, let me stop. Let me stop. That's a whole conversation for another day. But I did want to acknowledge before we move over to the Iron Iron Man, I was gonna say Armored Avenger. Like I really appreciate it the fact that Christopher Reeves was in Smallville. I I really appreciate the fact that they had him there and he was able to help Clark out in his early days of the early seasons of the show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's the one thing that I love about fandom. How they honor those who did past characters and bring them into the present 
And they always find a very interesting way in serving two masters. I just love it. And, you know, especially for the fact of how, you know, eventually Chris Reeves' last few decades, yes, decade was. It's like, do you realize how big that was to take someone with their challenges and then put them in a series that is, you know, current day, we're hip, da, 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 but to honor the legacy of both the character Superman, but also the character of Chris, I mean, um, Lord Jesus, what's his name? Reeves. Can't think of his name right now. Clark, you want Clark Kent or? No, talking about Reeves. Oh, oh, Christopher Reeves. Christopher Reeves. Thank you. Um, he as a person was like stellar. I don't know, you know, fun fact. He was the college roommate to Robin Williams. No, did not know this. I don't know why. Yes. So that's another reason he gets street cred. Because can you imagine and being like, not only is this my college roommate, but they ended up being best friends, like for life. But can you imagine Robin Williams having his manic moments and you just really want to go to sleep and Christopher Reeves being Christopher Reeves. He ain't never been a short man. Can you just be like, I am not going to lay my hands on this dude because I like him, but just shut up. That's all I want you to do. Now I just need somebody just to draw a picture of Christopher Reeves and Robin Williams and two of their iconic characters, Chris Reeves as Superman and Robin Williams. Being Mork? Yes, being Mork. I just need it. Hey, call to action, fandom audience, like for real, please visualize for us. We will definitely give you cred. We will put it both within our social media platforms, but that would be super dope. So if you would like, that would be really great for us. Yes, because I'm I'm picturing it now. You know when they're like standing like the pose and their um, hands on their side, like you no, know, their fists on the sides, like Mork and then the Superman. Mm-hmm. Like I can see it in my mind. I'm like yes, and I I want to say this. Like I've never said this on any podcast ever over the years. I'm gonna say this now. One of the reasons that I really resonate with Superman is because. His upbringing with the Kents reminds me of my parents. Ah. The way that Jonathan and Martha raised Clark to be, as I got during watching Smallville and reading the comics, it were conversations I, I've had over years with my parents and continue to have with my parents. And it it resonated with me. So to see Clark go through things and then to see him talk with his family about it. Mm-hmm. I go through things and go through things and talk to my family about it. It it clicked for me. So when people would say, I can't stand this character, it I'll be honest, it bothered me because it felt like you were you, arbitrary you, were saying you did not like me 
because you did not like the character. So it kind of got in my head like that, if that makes sense. No, because we are in fandom. We are, and don't go there, audience, um, intimate with these characters because some of them, we see them as a personification of our better self or the exact copy of who we actually are. And so I get it. It's just like, hey, you say something bad about Storm. <laughs> Let me take these earrings off. Give me that rubber band so I can tie up this hair and go to work on somebody. It is. It, it could be like a dagger in your heart. So, yeah. I, I was I contemplated even saying that, but I felt like I needed to say it because it was on my heart to say it. So it, it's out there now. No, 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 no. I actually found an article talking about um, the relationship between Christopher Reeves and Robin Williams. This is from biography.com. Robin Williams and Christopher Reeves' devoted friendship began as Juilliard, as Juilliard roommates. Through laughter and tears, the comedian and Superman maintained a brotherly bond. Real short, Robin Williams and Christopher Reeves were such good friends, it was as if they were brothers. The connection began when they studied together at Juilliard in the 1970s. Over the years, the two would talk, laugh, and support each other, particularly when Reeves became a quadriplegic due to an accident in 1995. In his 1998 autobiography, Still Me, Reeve wrote, Robin was able to share his real feelings with me, and I always did the same with him. This has remained true for 25 years. Their friendship endured until Reeve's death in 2004. In 1973, Williams and Reeves began studying at Ju Juilliard. At the surface, they seemed to have little in common. In a 2006 interview, Williams said, we were totally opposite. We came from um, me coming from the West Coast and a junior college and him coming from the hardcore Ivy League. He used to be the studly, studly of all studies. And I was the little fool fairy boy. But their differences didn't drive them apart. Instead, as Reeve noted, we clicked right away because we were exact opposites. Thank you. That. So, you know, I will give a little bit more room for those who have an original reason for hate towards Superman, but because he is so much of a part of the legacy of Superman, I'll just quietly sit, but give you a strong Michelle Obama side-eye. Thank you. That's all I can say is thank you. <laughs> I was like, what is the best comeback? A response, not comeback. Thank you. Our focus now is going to be about the Armored Avenger. So, you tell me your, your first foray into Tony Stark and Iron Man. Okay, so <laughs> I am that musical reference queen. Honestly, how I came into Iron Man, number one, ding, 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 ding. 
So, yeah, if you're not familiar with that little ditty, shout outs to Black Sabbath. Yes. Um, that was the first time that I even heard the musical wording of Iron Man. The second, Tony Matata lives on the road. So, I'm just going to stop there because definitely don't want to get a copyright strike. But that is from the infamous, I believe, Ghostface Killer um, in his hip hop ode to a remake of a song, disco version of, um, of about Tony Stark or Tony Matata, I believe. But yeah, it's so funny that that is how I came to know about the duality of Tony Stark slash Iron Man. Is it Tony Matata or Tony Stark? Look, we can edit that, but I'm pretty sure I'm going to look that up as I speak. That's how I came to know about Iron Man. It wasn't literally until I was maybe seven or eight, this kid that I knew was really into comic books. I didn't come into my own then. He had um, some Iron Man um, comic books, and that was during the C listing of Iron Man. So I wasn't that interested. It wasn't until... I think it was the 90s where I started hearing about quote unquote Iron Man didn't really have no interest. It wasn't until the movie that I came to know Iron Man. And like I told you, um, I'm just a real stickler. I did not see Iron Man in the theaters. I saw it on the TV. So I was like, oh. Okay, glad that Robert Downey Jr. is working because that's my dog. Um, but I didn't see it in the movie theater. And actually, it wasn't until The Avengers, that's when I came to love Iron Man. How about you? For me, it was the 90s cartoon show called Iron Man, the animated series. Mm-hmm. Yes, Iron Man anime series, which was from '94 to '96. I remember watching it as Iron Man fighting the Mandarin, and you had uh, Rhodey, who was fun fact voiced by James Avery from Fresh Prince of Bel Air, mm-hmm. and did not know that because I was not paying attention to voice actors at the time. I just knew that was the character. Mm-hmm. But, um. Fun fact about the show: This show actually was one of the cartoon shows or television sh- a television show that was re-recorded in THX. Mm-hmm. Fun fact. But watching that show, like I don't remember a lot of the plot because I was a child. But seeing characters like Modak, sorry, Modok, Fin Fang Foom, Justin Hammer. Uh, Blizzard, Blacklash, Grey Gargoyle, Hippolyta, uh, you know, Hypnota, sorry. And um, I believe 
Scarlet Witch was on the show. So that was my introduction to characters. And yes, yeah, Scarlet Witch was on the show. War Machine, Scarlet Witch, Hawkeye. Uh, so I got to learn different Marvel characters because of that show. And then you had Fantastic Folk, Fantastic Four cartoon show that came out in the 90s as well. And X-Men, anime series, and Spider-Man, and so forth. But it's funny, because I actually mentioned this on my last podcast, that because I was watching these cartoon shows, I didn't really consider characters to be quote-unquote C-listers. Mm-hmm. To me, the listing of A, B, C, and so forth, it didn't really exist, because the shows were in front of me, and then I did read some of the comic books at the time, and like reading some of like the ones where it's like the crossovers with like DC and Marvel, it kind of showed me what I knew and didn't know about characters, mm-hmm. like especially especially uh, featuring Iron Man, like seeing oh this is how he's portrayed, and then reading comics like. Secret Invasion and things of that nature. War. And then once we got to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, it felt like I know who you are because I've seen you over the years, if that makes sense. Okay. And then when we got the post credit scene for Avengers 1, sorry, Iron Man 1, which showed Nick Fury and saying Avengers pro, uh, initiative or Avengers project. It made me think, oh, we're going to do something bigger. Okay. So we're going to get Captain America, but on all that point, but specifically Iron Man, it was watching those shows and then reading the comics over the years and then getting to see the, you know, this version of a live action version. Because I believe there was another live action version. I'm double checking, but I believe there was another one. Mm-hmm. But but I I know there were, you know, 70s versions. Like, you know, there was I know we had Lou Ferrigno Hulk, but I know there was another version of the Hulk, another version of Thor, another another Spider Man, another Captain America before our current heroes. And don't forget Captain Strange, and that was a really bad TV made. Uh- TV movie. Oh, the the Doctor Strange movie. Yeah, man. Disco and everything. Bad. I, I heard about it and I kind of want to see it. You do that. You do I, that. I just want to see it. And also, also, we had David Hasselhoff as Nick Fury. Yeah, I heard that and I laughed. But I was like, ain't no way. And then I saw the clip. Ooh, I remember what I remember watching the movie. I think I remember like a portion of it was called Nick, Nick Fury, Agent of Shield. Mm-hmm. I think I'm wrong in the title, but I believe that's right. But yes, uh, that was that was my intro to the um, character. Wow, another <laughs> how it started and how it's going. <laughs> I know people won't expect that. And yo, I have to do a correction. Please add this to the edit. I have to do. Um, a correction on how I came to know Tony Stark's hip hop was. Can I can I do that? Certainly. Okay. So 
The second way that I came out to be familiar musically with quote unquote Iron Man, but we are focusing on his alter ego, Tony Starts. Shout out to Ghostface Killer, who constantly wrought, um, referred to himself either as Tony Starts or Iron Man. And like for me, Yo, how I came to know <laughs> in the hip hop sense about Tony Starks is the infamous Tommy Matala lives on the road. He lost his lady two months ago. And what is so ironic besides my off-tune voice is the fact that the Tony or Tommy, oh, did I say, oh shoot, I have to re redo that. But long story short, the reference of Slept on Tony is for the love that Ghostface had for his fandom of the comic book character. And it's just kind of wild. Even Wikipedia wrote something down real quick. Why is Ghostface killer Tony Starks? Ghostface has frequently assumed the names of both Iron Man and Tony Starks, a reference to the Marvel Comics character, Iron Man and his true identity, billionaire industrialist Tony Stark. He did this first in his release 1996 album title, Iron Man. Boom. I love your fun facts. Fun facts. Yeah. Uh, and I think I put the love of Tony Stark's all into the actual in listening to the song, I'm thinking, I'm seeing, you know, ha, our boy Iron Man all in this hip hop fantasy. No, it was Mariah Carey's ex. And I thought it was highly ironic. To, like he lost his lady two months ago. Yes, Mariah girl dropped the Matola. He was a stalker and a horrible husband, but that's neither here nor there. I have no comment. <laughs> but I, I I like I like what you shared about the um, music and everything. And like like I said early on in the uh, episode that life imitates art and art imitates life. Yep. Yep. I mean can you just imagine if not now, which I know they do, especially, you know, hip hop, hip hop fandom, real hip hop, not that daggone, you know, SoundCloud crap. Yeah, I said it, SoundCloud crap. But it's so interesting when you do hear people use fandom references in um in their songs, in their art, in their writing. It's it's just shows you how much it intimately hits a person and so i find it so ironic you have so much love and so much hate because if you, if you think about it 
when people love these fandoms, whether it comes from music, no matter sorry, no matter whether it comes from music, comic books, video games, what have you, it is an influence on a person's life. To where, in a lot of cases, these influences that people have, it pushes them to do something with their life in a particular field they may have never thought about. Some people went into IT because of, you know, Iron Man or, you know, different characters of different different professions, but people have gone into different fields of study or have embraced music, what have you, because of something that largely was a fictional entity influenced them to go do something in the real world, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, it's been well documented, the influence of Star Trek and how it pushed so many people into wanting to study space to the invention of some of the things that we are addicted to. Shout out to iPads and iPhones. So, you know, the influence of fandom, I love the fact that it is getting the respect, you know, get respect on fandom's name. But, you know, it really can influence someone to do something superhuman in whatever their gift is on this earth. And, you know, I'm here for it. I'm, I'm definitely here for it. Um, you know, we may literally in 30 to 40 years, please let the earth last that long. There is some kid who will eventually become a Tony Stark because the technology is there. And they might actually create a suit to help people walk, or if they're a burn victim, help them heal. If they um, are talking about nanotech, you know, the possibilities are endless with that. Literally, someone male, female, or other can become a living being that was first born on a comic book page. Exactly. If you think about it, at the end of the day, whether people like them or not, these characters are heroes in their own right. Yeah. Because you look at what a hero is. It's someone doing something heroic, yes. While we all may not have fantastical abilities of leaping tall buildings with a single bound or shooting laser eyes, you know, heat vision eyes or things like that or flight or whatever the case may be, you have people who become doctors, firefighters, uh, even going into the different arts of things and wanting to be that champion for a person. Like think about the notion of your first responders. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, first responders, they aren't what we just, just described as, you know, the doctors or firefighters or whatever. They are just regular people. A hero is a regular person, is a person. Because so we all are people at the end of the day. Some people may have letters at the end of their name. They may have a suffix at the, sorry, a prefix at the, the beginning of their name. 
I think I said that wrong. But, you know, doctor this, doctor that, whatever. But at the end of the day, we are all people. True, true. Now, just as long as they don't become, I believe, superior Iron Man, yo, for real, we don't need that type of cocky attitude on this earth. We got politicians who do that professionally. But, you know, take one of the monikers of the infamous quote, genius billionaire playboy philanthropist, Tony Stark, you know, you can find yourself somewhere in that. Everybody is a genius. Now, whether or not they want to show it, um, mm -hmm, I'll leave it right there. A billionaire. It doesn't even have to be financial monies. A billionaire in concepts. A billionaire who gives out love. Ooh, maybe I shouldn't say it like that. Next word, playboy. Ooh, same connotation. Okay, philanthropist. Philanthropist. Is that the word? It's going to be today. Yes. Everybody can be that if that's their heart's intent. And we need that more in the world. And so I can understand the hate. That's a little bit as to why I didn't get into Tony Stark's, especially in the 80s. Dude was a full-on alcoholic. Um, church girl, um, we're not supposed to know about those things, but we were related to some people who had that issue. But, you know, there was no interest for me to look at a comic book about uh, a, an angry drunk. But literally, I can't think of the particular um name of the series but there was reasons why he was driven to drink he um literally was helping a homeless woman out when he was homeless and she died in childbirth i'm like whoa okay my grown self can relate to that as much as I can relate to, wow, you're just a super jerk that can get anything that you want. But there's dimensions of this particular character that I find so fascinating. Nobody who's in fandom cannot say they know someone who is like a Tony Stark. There's no way around it. And so I can understand the hate, but like for real, let's push past that. Let's do a little bit of a psychoanalyst. You know, dude was complex in his trauma and how he used money to fill the voids of losing both of his parents intentionally killed by an industry that he was competing with. And so hopefully you don't hear my stupid neighbor playing really whacked out music, but he will literally sit in his car like the loser he is playing stupid music. So hopefully my beautiful remark will not get lost, but you can happily put that in the podcast because he is a loser. Yeah, I said it. He's a loser. But yeah, everybody can find themselves into Tony Stark's because he's so complex as a human. Boom.
you you're right. He he is. And yes, I I could hear it, but it's it's not a problem. Okay. But uh, yes, he he is a complex character, and I think we all know someone who fits that build. But then, if you look at where the film version of Tony Stark went, especially with the MCU, how how that went, I know they again based that off of a comic book as well, because all these stories are based from the pages of the book of their respective books. That once he saw what his weapons were being used for, he didn't want anything to do with that. Yeah, and then he couldn't handle the fame that came with the job along with hey by the way you just destroyed a city you don't have no problems with that like the ptsd perspective of iron man 3 oh my god like for real people can say whatever about the movie itself but that was a bold choice they decided to and you know to be forthcoming put it this way the infamous quote real recognize real when i watch the movie and i can say definitely not only did robert downey jr do his job but they brought this into realness of this is a person who literally can't get it together when he really needs to because he's a superhero. The layers of what I love about fandom the most is when they take these topic matters and they make it easy for someone who may never have that as a mantle on their themselves, but make it easier to be like, oh, wow okay, huh, gives you something to think about. It literally allows a person to become empathetic to another person's challenges. You're right. And on the flip side, I'm thinking back to Superman for a moment. It's like what a a person can can represent. Like how I mentioned that how well he represents to me and my upbringing, it's kind of got me in that walk of saying, I want to strive to be like this, but I have to be who I am because I can't be that person. I can't be this character because I, number one, I don't have their abilities. But beyond that, it's the ideals. But it comes, especially for me, it comes from my upbringing, though, of being this is what you do, this is what you don't do, and all and all the things in between. And, you know, setting forth the example and being, you know, the person um, that you can be. And that in and of, of itself, when looking at both of our characters that we're looking at today, or are looking at today, they both, while having, you know, excellent things about them, they both have flaws in some ways. That and I have to acknowledge it just for the sake of conversation. That you know they are not perfect. When we look at Clark, Clark struggles to fit in because everybody can relate to that. We all have we all relate to trying to fit in, and then the world judges you because 
you're not so cookie cutter of what they want you to be because Clark could lose control and then people are afraid but he does what he can to fit in and you know be the best that he can be Tony, yeah. Tony on the other hand he can do whatever he wants but there are consequences mm-hmm. but he realizes he has limitations mm-hmm. so like in the uh, movie you know, Age of Ultron. He wants to build an armor around the world. And in this version, making Ultron and not being hate him, I digress. But, because they always have to change things. <laughs> and, but, uh, him and Bruce. And uh, doing that is like, yes, you want to be a larger than you can be. But then, when we look at what happened, the fallout of the Ultron situation, yeah. and how uh, the events in Sokovia play out, and then, and then we had civil war come up, and then we had that mother talking to him like, "My son died because of your machines." Yep, yeah, and it brings a a consciousness to that because I heard in one um, interesting scenario about um, Iron Man um, and um, Ultron. Ultron literally is the mechanical, more diabolical version of Tony. Literally, someone said, that's Tony's soul in that metal shell. And I was like, oh, wow, dang. And so when Alfreda put it, shout out to you, girl. When she said that statement to him, and him being the billionaire billionaire playboy um philanthropist whatever whatever literally she took that off of him and made him a human because prior to that no one told him to his face hey yeah you asshole your actions had severe consequences to um my life how dare you Mm-hmm. Because they, and it just goes across the board of any superhero feature or you know anything that involves you no know, science fiction or fantasy, whatever. You know, the heroes come in or villains come into, they do their thing in the city or whatever, and they go home. Yeah. And then you have people who are left over, or you know, not left over, but you know, they're there, they're there because their lives or their lives rather have just become upended in a sense because some event that they had nothing to do with came into their world and then made a pothole and it was gone. Mm -hmm. And then no one checked in on them afterwards or the years afterwards. That was what was so beautiful about Endgame because thank God they acknowledge the loss of five years later yeah you know and it's so it was so predicting of the time period that we live now but the movie did a better job because it seemed like nobody ain't lamenting in these streets but once again another reason why i love fandom for those who struggle literally it could be the watching of Endgame to see a superhero 
in a group therapy session. Yes. Like, it's moments like that where, okay, I can understand your hate for characters, but look in the supermatic and in the pages of a comic book where they're doing more in a surreal or um, fictional, is it fictional or, yeah, fictional landscape than we are doing in our human existence. Just a thought. You're right, because I have to acknowledge a a comic, and I do not remember the name of it at the moment. It's escaping me. But after 9-11 happened, comics came out where, I'm thinking of one specific comic, but there there are different comics across the board that came out where characters were looking at what happened and analyzing themselves and figuring out how to move along with the world. Mm -hmm. And and to, you know, what you said about Endgame, yeah, seeing that, you know, five years later and then what happened. And then now you have shows like on like the, the Disney Plus shows like Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. And, right. and, and how they played up the fact that, yes, Sam Wilson, you are an Avenger. You helped save the world. But you can't get a bank loan because you weren't alive for five years. And ha, our boy Tony didn't pay no checks. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I was like, I love you, Tony, but I didn't know you were a cheap bastard. On the same side, does does Bruce Wayne pay the Bat family? Ooh. Mm. I'm just throwing it out there. Just saying. He may pay for them to go to school. Yeah, we but, definitely have to. But, do DC. But I'm, not, I'm not touching that though. Yeah, we got to do a DC episode eventually. So, yes, but as we're winding down, are there any like encouraging factors or words you would want to give people listening to to give characters a chance, like? People love Tony Stark now because of the movies. Yeah. They weren't paying much attention. Same with Superman. The people weren't paying much attention until the big screen adaptation comes out, then people care. And like real talk, same thing for Spider-Man. But, you know, I think when that lone, and, you know, not trying to be disrespectful, that lone geek said, I want to make a movie about this character I absolutely love and I am going to humanize them and the people are going to love it. Shout outs to you because you did that thing because we love the so-called CD, I mean C or D listing characters. Like who would have ever thought in the late 70s a movie about a character that let's keep it real. I don't think um, nobody was really pushing for Superman like that, except 
the kids who were watching the TV show. But like nobody wasn't pushing for them. The movie came out. And here we are in 2022. And for some people, Superman is everything. Absolutely everything. And then there are others that he is not for me. Uh-uh. Like, girl, no. But, you know, the idea of when you see yourself or situations that you live through in a comic book page or up on the silver screen, regardless you love or you hate, I respect your original opinion because usually when those original opinions are expressed, it shows a layer of who a person really is. And you can't do that with group think or looking at a whole bunch of YouTube videos. It has to come from a personal place. You're right. And I, I had to look it up now to make sure I want to say the name correctly. George Reeves, who played Superman in ni- between the, the show of 1952 and 1958, you had people who grew up with that and then made our Reeves movie. Just wanted to. And you're right, because the group think, by and large, sometimes it just doesn't feel right. I'm just going to be that person to say it doesn't feel right. Yeah, shout outs to Show Baraka. He has a lyric that says, yo, I'll drive your bandwagon. There is a lot of people driving a bandwagon in the wrong direction. And you just wanted to be validated. And you are loud and wrong. Like, say it from your chest, from your heart, how you feel about particular characters right wrong or indifferent but don't be repeating what somebody else said and you still got it wrong but we're human we're not superheroes right because I, I i'm gonna share this and we'll, we'll wind things down i know we can keep going and i would love to continue this conversation and we will definitely do more of these rest assured yeah i remember going to see a movie this was probably around 2005, 2006 or so. I want to say it was one of the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Mm-hmm. And the trailer for the 2009 Star Trek movie came out. So I believe that was like closer to 2009. Mm-hmm. So it's the trailer where you're where they're showing the construction of the Enterprise. Mm-hmm. And they're playing the music and everything. Everything is so great. I'm loving the trailer because I've seen it a few times. And then a, a few seats down to me, I heard this lady say, not another one. And the big nerd in me, big kid in me was like, I didn't verbalize this, but I was like, what's wrong with Star Trek? But I, I, I didn't say anything because I don't I, I don't talk to people. I don't know. <laughs> but but you get you get my point. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, it's one of those people. Okay. And I will say I understand and respect people's opinions, but I just wish people would give things a shot. Yeah, yeah. Now look, 
you said that and I love your deepness, but what I won't give a shot for is trailers. I don't do trailers. I just don't. It ruins the awe for me. Like, I am so happy I did not ever watch the trailer for The Batman because I know, I know, I'm just going to leave it right there for you. But it's literally when there's a reveal in the trailer, it's, I equate that the same thing as when someone makes that quip remark or you just be hating because the bandwagon is being driven or driven, excuse me. It's just like, for real? Did you really have to do that? You're you're killing what is not even fully realized yet. You haven't even seen the daggone movie. So how you gonna have an opinion? Shout outs to anybody that makes trailers for a living. Yo, I respect your editing skills, but y'all be putting too much of the movie in the trailer. I'm gonna leave it right there. I'm, I'm gonna acknowledge that and as they say, I'll raise you one more. If you go back and watch movie trailers to movies that were released, I'm gonna I'm going to specifically say the 70s. Mm-hmm. Most times, the trailer would tell you the entire movie. The one movie I want to to shout out, great movie, because it it, it spawned a sequel and a TV show, Westworld. Yo, let me tell you something. I, yo, the original Westworld, honey, I you saw that thing. You talking about with, with, with Ewell Brenner? Yeah. Yes, that, yeah, that movie, yeah. Dude, and you know you're correct. That sequel is just as menacing. I have to hate. I don't like the TV show. It's too much. Too much. And there's so many great people in that show. I just can't watch it. But I didn't even know the trailer really revealed everything. But mm. so uh, I'll give you this: I watched the movie on DVD, mm-hmm. and then on the DVD they have extra extra features and things. Mm-hmm. Watch the trailer; it showed me most of the beginning of the movie because oh, you know they're doing the. The, uh, the movie announcer voice, blah, blah, blah. In the world. And, yeah, in the world. And then, <laughs> in the world. <laughs> but as it goes on, I'm seeing key points in the movie in the trailer. Mm. The trailer is maybe between one and two minutes. but Maybe two minutes. But the subtlety wasn't there. It was just more, we're going to do it. But we can have this discussion for another episode. Yeah, we need to do a whole episode on why do you hate trailers? Because <laughs> the hate is real. I hate, hate, I hate trailers. And you know what? We just did a trailer for a trailer. Ponder that one, Internet. Up here. <laughs> well, with that being said, Omni76, I want to say thank you for joining me this evening. Oh, thank you for inviting me. This was dope. This this was dope. And um, yeah, anytime you want me to do it again, I's here. So Omni, where can people find you online? 
Well, you can find me in the streets of Instagram because I don't do Facebook. That is the devil's den. Yeah, I said it, even though we all know Instagram is now Facebook's first cousin. But you can find me at Omni76 and you will know it's me by the side-eyed Michelle Obama looking at you, then looking at the person behind you doing the foolishness. Mm -hmm. awesome and with that said I want to say thank you all for listening to the Fandom Omnibus Podcast and we'll catch you on the flip side